Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks get a 38-25 win over the Atlanta Falcons. The last time they won an opener by double digits, it was back in 2014 against the Packers. And it was their biggest margin of victory on opening day since their 12-10 win over the Dolphins in 2016. It was their first win on the road under Pete Carroll since 2013. On the show to help break down the opening of the Seahawks 2020 season from Tom, Jake, and Stacy on 710, the self-proclaimed inventors of bold takes on sports radio. The <laughs> boldest of that trio is joining me today. Stacy Ross, welcome to the show, Stacy. Hello. Thank you for calling me the boldest. It's an honor. Uh, and thank you for very correctly saying that we invented and legally own the rights to bold takes on sports radio. That is correct. I think it's important to get the word out there. I don't think enough people know. No, I've been filing lawsuits all morning. I just it's it's taken up most of my day. You have to have something to lead up to this game against the the Falcons and the Seahawks because a lot of people are having a hard time, you know, with that morning waiting for the opening kickoff. And there's so much to talk about in this game, Stacy. Let let's start off by talking about what jumped off the screen the most in this game. And that is why was Todd Gurley wearing a deflated red balloon on his head for this game? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I thought it was, uh, you know, an effort. You got to protect your hair, keep it nice. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I saw that. So, you know, props to Gurley. I'd probably do the same thing. It, it jumped. It just jumped off the screen at me. I <laughs> see. I see. But another guy who jumped off the screen was Jamal Adams. Holy smokes. 11 tackles on the oh, day. One gosh. sack, two tackles for a loss. Stacy. Uh, I think we all expected Jamal Adams to come out and show us something with the two first round picks being traded in the offseason. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think that that Seahawks fans maybe were even prepared for what we saw today. I don't think so either. And I think it's because you kind of uh, this sounds bad. I think that over time you normalize the performance of your own team. So when you think about it, last year's defense was miles and miles and miles away from 2013. And to see Jamal Adams out there, you're like, oh, this is what a dominant player looks like. And that's not to say that Bobby Wagner, for instance, isn't a dominant player or KJ Wright last year didn't have a phenomenal year or that in, you know, 2017 and 18, you didn't have great performances from other guys on the defense. But it has felt like a while since they've had someone in the secondary that just takes over a game. And that's how it felt with Jamal Adams. And not only that, but in a style of play that I think brings back some very fond memories for Seahawks fans. I mean, that sack of Ryan just like felt good when you saw it. Not for Ryan, but, you know, <laughs> for fans everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it was it was one of those things that makes you kind of, uh, it took the sting, I think, out of losing Clowney uh, to the Titans last week. I know we waited around all offseason for that to happen, but uh, it, it felt like, you know, here we have another star now on the field to pair with Bobby Wagner. That's exactly it. I, I, I wish that Pete Carroll would have gone on the record and been like, I don't know why you guys are complaining. We're just going to line up Adams at defensive end. You need to chill out. But no, I mean, it still stings a little bit because I agree with my co-host, uh, Jake keeps, who was writing about some of the pressure. And he was like, when they bring extra pressure, they look good because it's coming from a strength on the defense. Uh, when they just rush for, it's really inconsistent. So it still feels like you didn't have enough. Although I did like what I saw for the most part from Benson Mayoa. So, so props to him. I, I do think there's something there uh, to at least, you know, kind of build on. But uh, I mean, I'm certainly still, you know, I would love to see Clowney out there. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I know. It, it, I, I, I think about the fact that, okay, I don't feel as bad now, but then I think, oh, just think about how much better I would feel with both those guys on right. the field. I have to get, I I have feel, to get away from that thought. That's exactly. Like, I don't feel bad 
that I don't have a BMW, but like, would I like one instead of my current vehicle? Like, right. yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't complain. Well, forget the BMW. We have a, a Ferrari in the garage with Russell Wilson and I want to talk about him, but let's, you know, I, I wasn't joking when I said that you were the boldest of the bold takers. I, let's, let's revisit your bold take from Friday afternoon. You said Russell Wilson would have more attempts, more yards and more touchdowns than Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Well, you got the touchdowns part, Stacey, and that's, I think, the most important of those stats. But uh, you were, I think, on the right track. This was a much more impressive performance from Russell Wilson. You know, I think I at least expected that they would certainly lean into the pass. They showed a willingness to adapt last year. Um, They didn't always do it, but they certainly did it against Tampa Bay and at least in like isolated series from other games. Um, So they know when to take advantage of the other opponent's weakness. It just drives fans crazy when they don't do it all the time or when they try to stick to the run game. But that being said, um, heading into this game, Atlanta's secondary, they got back Keanu Neal, but he hasn't really been able to play a ton. And without him, it was pretty abysmal uh, last year. So I think you knew going into the game that their coverage was a little faulty. And there were times like that 38 or 37 yarder to DK Metcalf where you were like, I don't know what happened there, but Seattle certainly was able to take advantage of it. I, you're right in that I was on the, I don't know why I said more attempts than Matt Ryan, who I'm pretty sure was on a team that led the league in attempts last year. But completions. If he would have gone completions, I, I think that would have been. you got to be bold. And in keeping with my bold take Friday trademark tradition, I absolutely never admit the part of my uh, prediction or take that was wrong. Like I refuse to acknowledge it. So I don't actually know what you're talking about. The last time I checked, I said uh, that my bold take was Russell Wilson would get four touchdowns. So four touchdowns have a better quarterback rating, right? Yeah. Yeah, More completions. (laughs) Exactly. You nailed it. Three for three. Well done. You mean? Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I think one of the things that's going to kind of calm some of the people calling for more Russell Wilson in the off season, the Seahawks started out pass, pass, pass on the, on the first three plays of the game. Now it was a little bit dicey on that first pass play where Russell Wilson was almost immediately sacked because he, right. you know, the defender went unblocked and, and took him down, but they ended up getting the first down. Then they end up driving for the touchdown on that opening drive. No. And that was great to see you get started aggressively. And one of the things to like, we get into play fights and play arguments all the time with our co-hosts. And I think a lot of our co-hosts say, you know, oh, what's the problem with the way they're doing things? Carson's great. And I actually, I I agree that Carson's fantastic. I like, I I think they should extend him. And I will say that to analytics folks (laughs) who are going to hate me for that. I'm sorry. I like him here. Um, But I think that what people also want when they call for that, what the cooking people want, as Jim Moore would say, is for a little more aggressive play and more pass plays early on in downs and in the first half. It's not just, hey, give the ball to Russell Wilson. They gave the ball to Russell Wilson a ton in the fourth quarter of games before. But part of the problem was, why did we wait until now? And why did you call on your fantastic quarterback to win you the game in the fourth as opposed to getting ahead? So I think that they you know, leaned into that kind of aggressiveness early. It was really nice to see, and it clearly paid off for them. So I'm, I'm very curious to see if they're going to continue that trend. Yeah, they did have one place in this game where they could have been a little bit more aggressive. I was glad that they weren't because it was uh, their fourth drive of the game. It was fourth and two at midfield. They had an opportunity. They punted it down to the 12. And I, I know there are a lot of people out there saying, you know, go for it there. But There were four Mm -hmm. minutes left in the game. I mean, all you have to do is get a stop there. You get the ball back before the half. That's almost what it happened. But then 
you know, they, you potty had a penalty and they ended up going three and out. And I think, and uh, the Falcons ended up getting it back before the half. But I, I thought that was the right play there being up by five points uh, with about four minutes to go. Yeah, I really didn't mind that one. I'm not going to pick apart like every decision to not go on fourth or to not be aggressive, especially when they did it at times and it paid off. Not only that, I know this isn't on the offense, but they also kept the Falcons. Uh, were they 0 for 4 or did they finally convert on a fourth down? I can't remember. They were, they well, besides their onside kick, they were otherwise really ineffective on fourth down. So I think that they won the kind of like aggressiveness battle of the day on, on fourth. And I, I look specifically at that drive with DK Metcalf, um, you know, not only deciding to, you know, continue to move forward. Did they go with fourth down on that one? That was fourth down. Yeah, that was one of the ugliest yeah, uh, <laughs> sequences of the game, uh, apart from the one that had so many penalties because they got the penalty. It was first and five. They, right, they, right, right. And then they end up, it's fourth and five. And, and then and, it's high two homer loss. Of, it's just it's just a hot mess. And not only that, but DK had had a drop earlier in the drive. He'd had an incomplete. It looked like there was some kind of like miscommunication on that first and five where either Russ was throwing it away or DK was in the wrong spot. And I really liked that not only did they go for it on fourth, but then he went with Metcalf again. I think it's important to, to kind of continue to feed him the ball and, you know, hey, young kid, I know that you messed up earlier, but you know, you don't want to ruin anyone's confidence. I doubt DK Metcalf is lacking for confidence, but I thought that that was a, it was a good drive overall. I think there were a lot of important things to take away from that one. Yeah. And you nailed it. The the Falcons were 0 for 4 on fourth down in the game. The other thing that to talk about Metcalf, all four of Russell Wilson's incompletions, he was 31 of 35 for 322 yards, four touchdowns. All four of Russell Wilson's incompletions were throwing in the direction of DK Metcalf. Yeah, it's not, you don't love to see it in this case. Um, yeah, it's not great. I remember asking Jake last year, hey, is the the narrative, the idea that DK Metcalf, you know, had some issue with drops, is that something where we just focused on it because he struggled in the Philly game and then people couldn't get over it? Or is this something he legitimately struggled with? And he said, no, I mean, it was it was a problem. But like DK Metcalf knows that. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, it takes a while to get better at that. And so for all of his upside, I think fans are comfortable looking the other way, but it is certainly something to watch. We got some signature moments from Russell Wilson in this game. He went over 4,000 yards with that 28 yard run in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then that, that play Stacy, where he escapes Tack McKinley just <laughs> un- under his arm, throws sidearm and David Moore gets down to the two yard line. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those moments where you're like, yeah, guess who was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes? But I know that they're, I know that in large ways they're, they're different quarterbacks, but man, it sure feels sometimes. And I I don't think I'm being biased. I don't think I probably am, but it, it sure feels sometimes like Russell Wilson was doing this just magic and, and insane throws, not quite the same throwing motion, but, but kind of escaping pressure, keeping his eyes down the field, even as a younger player. It, it felt like maybe that wasn't as appreciated until later on in his career where he was, uh, you know, able to stay in the pocket a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Or if it was just something where Patrick Mahomes came in with a bigger arm and just blew everyone away. But, man, that was a perfect reminder that, like, hey, you know, the young kids are good, but don't forget who came in here first making these just out of control. How did he do it plays? And that was a perfect 
example of he's he's certainly still got it. Like this is his career is still going up and it was just a dime. It was phenomenal. Wilson had the magic going with Tyler Lockett going eight of eight for 92 yards. He also had the pass downfield on third and and forever uh, where he threw it to Lockett. <laughs> and and Tyler Lockett showing us that he still knows he's he's really good at drawing calls and, and getting penalties in those situations. He is. I mean, that was such a, I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, you might as well go for it and, you know, see if they'll get a ticky tacky foul on that one. And, and they did, and they gave it to you, but, uh, but you'll take that. No, it was, I thought it was great to see Tyler Lockett get out there. I think that with all the hype that DK Metcalf has, it makes sense. He's a phenomenal receiver. He had one of the best rookie years of, of any rookie receiver last year, 900 yards. Um, and I think seven touchdowns, but at the end of the day, Tyler Lockett's still in there. He's a great, not just a security blanket, right? Which is the way we kind of talk about him. He's also insanely talented. He can get open, get extra space. And I think that I thought it was a nice reminder that, you know, all your eyes are on DK Metcalf, but they have some great weapons still in in this uh, receiver room. So don't get too distracted by shiny new toys because they're still pretty stacked. Some great weapons in the receiving room. Also, some great weapons in the backfield. Chris Carson having a solid day on the stat sheet despite having fewer rushing yards than Russell Wilson on the day. We're going to talk about Chris Carson and what we saw from him on the field coming up next. Stacey Rost joining me on the show to recap the Seahawks game against the Falcons. She co-hosts The Huddle from 12 to 2 on Thursday on 710 ESPN. Talking about weapons for Russell Wilson, Chris Carson in this game. Yeah, he doesn't have oh you know, the big rushing numbers overall, uh, just 21 yards on the ground, but six catches, 45 yards through the air, two touchdown passes. He had the first two touchdown catches of the game. Mm-hmm. Very weird, too, to see him uh, with more receiving yards than anything else. It's yeah. a, a different kind of day for Chris Carson. I wonder if it's just the way that the game went. Um, or maybe a new plan for him. Do you remember last year when they were like, hey, heading out of uh, 2018, he only had like 20 catches, some really low number, and they wanted to double that up. And I think that they did. Um, I wonder if they're getting him involved in continuing that this year, especially if you're not going to have Penny out there. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I, you know, the the idea of splitting time with Carlos Hyde makes a lot of sense to me, especially with Chris Carson, just having so many injury issues in the past. So I was I was glad to see him get the 12 touches kind of spread out between the passing yep. game and the running game. And then you mix in Carlos Hyde a little bit for those kind of those tough yards. And so I, I thought the way they managed that was was pretty good for an opening. They they didn't go overly run heavy. And uh, and I guess Russell Wilson finished with the most uh, rushing yards for the team with 29. Can I take us off the rails right now and tell you something not football related? Let's do it. I've never heard anyone in my entire life say opening the way I say opening <laughs> until I've heard you say opening. And it makes me feel so validated and seen. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you grow up in Montana near the Canadian border, too? Is this a, you, a, you know, know, I didn't. But maybe I should start saying that I say opening and I say pit instead of put. Oh. And I, I don't know why I do that. And I get made fun of all the time. Well, now I'm going to be self-conscious about it. So thank you. No, you don't. No, no. We need to be louder. We need to let people know we're oh, here. We should start our own like Facebook group to be like, exactly. this is where we belong. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> A thousand percent. On the huddle this week, Stacy Dave talked about getting coverage sacks and just how important that was going to be. And you mentioned Benson Mayo when we started this off and the ability of, of him to kind of run down Matt Ryan from behind. I, 
they only got eight quarterback hits overall. And maybe mm-hmm. with as many attempts as Ryan had, I w- would have liked to see more pressure from the defensive line. But uh, yeah. that's, I guess that's what stood out to me watching uh, the defensive line in this game. Just not, not quite feeling like they got enough. No, I agree, especially early. I mean, you talk about the Seahawks starting with uh, three pass plays and, you know, what's happening here. Then you have the Falcons starting with three runs from Gurley. And it was just like, what is, are these different teams? It's 2020. This is completely opposite year. (laughs) What is happening? Um, But, I mean, it worked out for them early. I know that, you know, those uh, first three runs Atlanta had, the second was for 15 yards. But you look at some of Gurley's production early. He wasn't pitting up insane numbers, but they were breaking through whether with like a little screen or, or, you know, with Gurley just going, you know, right down and the run defense especially didn't look fantastic. I think that they tidied it up a bit at the end of the game. There was a series of plays near the end, Puna Ford uh, stuffed someone. And then the next play, Jaron Reed gets in there. Um, gosh, that might've been the play where he stopped for a minute. He came up with the ball and I would have loved to see him try to run it back for a touchdown. It's all I want. But um, I think that, they tidied it up by the end, but not great. I mean, I, I'm not leaving this game. I'm leaving this game thinking, wow, this team's ceiling could be much higher than I thought it was, but I'm not leaving the game thinking that I was, or that any of us collectively were wrong per se about the defensive line. I think there are still some big question marks there. Yeah. And I think coming out of this game, a lot of people might go the other direction and try and crush the secondary having three receivers on the Atlanta Falcons with over 100 yards, you know, nine receptions each for Jones, Ridley, and Gage on 12 targets. Uh, and, yeah. you know, that was all garbage time yards and touchdowns, which is, I think, what we tend to see a lot of from Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Yeah, and if you're going to say anything, it's that, like, at least there was some development. Like, Shaquille Griffin let one of those get by, and it wasn't great, but then he has a great pass breakup on another play. Yeah, and Hayden as Hurst long as there's kind yeah. of... Exactly. As long as there's kind of development throughout the game, you know, I, I think that's something you got to just wait out the first couple weeks of the season and, and see if uh, if the communication there gets a little bit better with Julio Jones. I'll let that one slide. I mean, it's it's Julio Jones. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, if it's I'll let that one happen. But um, but I agree. I mean, there were certainly some big chunk plays in the second half, you know, 15 yards, 14 yards, 16 yards. And you're seeing that they're finding a way to pick Seattle's defense apart in a way that was similar to how offenses were able to do it last year, just kind of targeting, you know, kind of that mid-level yard. And um, I think that they were able to wrap some of that up toward the end of the game. And and I agree with your overall statement that the fact that it's in garbage time, you're probably p- playing like a little bit looser. Um, so I'm not, I don't know, maybe if they didn't have, you know, such a solid lead, I wouldn't feel so, you know, lackadaisical about it, but because they did, I'm letting that one slide. Well, it was nice on the offensive side of the ball to go back to that is, you know, last year when they were playing the Falcons and with Matt Schaub, th- you know, putting up 450 yards, plus on right. the Seahawks. Uh, this this felt a lot different because the offense was still driving down the field on, in the second half and able to stay ahead by double digits. Yeah, and I was wondering, I'm sure every single Seahawk fan entering the second half, you were like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. <laughs> because you're just having this like PTSD moment of Matt Schaub, of all people, you know, coming back, you know, trying to get back in this game, which remains, by the way, I think the most yards ever um, by a Falcons quarterback against the Seahawks in franchise history. Unless I'm mistaken, it yeah. is Matt Matthew Schaub. 
but I thought it was great. I mean, they kept going, they kept scoring. So I, I don't know. I mean, the Falcons, I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons end up once again, a team that's racking up a bunch of yards and finishes like eight and eight. You know what I mean? Like they're just that kind of team right now. Well, especially if they can't get it together defensively and that's going to be, that's, that was their problem last season. And we'll see if that continues to be their issue this season. Plus they're playing in a division that's very difficult with Tom Brady and Drew Brees also as quarterbacks in that division. So let's flip over and talk a little bit about special teams because the thing that reminded me of it is that opening, uh, the thing that reminded me of it, you You thought it when you said opening and you realized it. (laughs) Now you'll know now. Now. Yep. That's the problem. And (laughs) I wasn't even going to talk about the opening anything. I was going to talk about uh, the fourth quarter (laughs) kickoff by Travis Homer when he got the ball and that was one of the interesting things for me was seeing who was going to be on special teams. Tyler Lockett right. finally graduates from having to fill in as the punt returner and kick returner. David Moore fielding the punts, Travis Homer on the kickoffs. And I thought it was really clutch in the fourth quarter after the Falcons drove down with that score. They kick off. Travis Homer has the opportunity to return. He holds on to the football, taking a big hit. And yeah. because that's in the past where we've seen these big leads slip away where you see a special teams turnover and then they they end up getting quickly back into the game. And fortunately, he was able to hold on to that. Yeah, and I love seeing that for him, particularly since on the just actual rushing, you know, situations in games, he wasn't particularly stellar, um, which I don't know why you would expect that per se. I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't more of just kind of, you know, targeting him a little bit further downfield. Um, but I'm glad that he was able to bounce back with some play on special teams. I also love that play by Freddie Swain who's another like just, you know, feel good, you know, kind of rookie that comes in here. And um, I think that it was not just good to see that what 18 or so yard reception he had, but another strong play on special teams for him. So at least, you know, the guys that Seattle brought in with the intention to help on special teams are doing that job. And that matters. Freddie Swain may have been the standout rookie for the Seahawks in this game. Like you mentioned, he had that 18 yard reception or 17-yard reception. He had the fumble recovery on the fake punt that was yeah. caused by Marquise Blair. And really, the only other rookie to pit him up against, I felt like, was Damian Lewis. And I thought he held up well enough against Grady Jarrett. He had a, you know three uh, penalties on the day. Yeah. The fact that Alton Robinson and DJ Dallas were inactive for this game, uh, that, was, that was really the only two rookies out there to watch. It was a surprise. I listened to Pete Carroll on the Seahawks pregame show or excuse me, John Schneider before to see if he would say anything. And really the only update he gave was for Jamarco Jones. So I was, I've, I've been wondering, I'm sure Carol would, will be asked about it in the postgame press conference, but I was wondering why those guys weren't out there. I thought, you know, maybe they're hanging on to an extra O lineman, um, you know, just something to help out. But, but yeah, that was a bit, I was, I was surprised because I was expecting to see Alton Robinson. Yes. Um, between all of them out there. He was the most surprising inactive for me, just based on all the hype that was given to yeah. him leading up to this game. I, I thought for sure he'd be out there. Yeah, no kidding. I'm curious. I I mean, you know, hopefully it's not injury related or there wasn't an injury in warmups. I don't remember him seeing seeing his name on the practice report leading up to the game. Yeah, he wasn't on the injury report, I don't believe. Yeah, yeah. So it might have just been a healthy scratch there. Um, but I mean, that's also you know, pretty telling if you're going with the rest of, of your crew and you decide to scratch him when you could certainly use help with your pass rush. So, you know, that said, I, I'm not seeing it as too much of a negative. I do think I've heard enough from people who I trust, like Dave Wyman, 
and Jake, Michael Bumpus, guys who've been around this game who say, you know what, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Alton Robinson. We had Jim Nagy on who said the same thing. And, and all of those guys have had similar sentiment too, where it's like, he's got great length. Um, like he can be disruptive. He can be a guy that bats down the ball and gets in there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not getting too worried. I am very curious though, to see him when he gets out there. Well, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to try this word one more time, Stacy. Going back to the opening kickoff yes. by Jason Myers. <laughs> How clutch was that? Knowing that everyone was going to take a knee. He could have screwed that up. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it, it, it could have been bad. I mean, great moment. Shining star moment from Jason Myers. I have to. I at least have to give him uh, his his shine in this game, apart his from props. making his the, the field goal in this this game. So, And all the extra <laughs> points. Stacy Rost of 710 ESPN. Follow her on Twitter at Stacy Rost. Listen to her on 710 ESPN every day. Stacy, really want to thank you for coming on the show and breaking down this opening win by the Seahawks. Thanks for having me. I love breaking down an opening win anytime <laughs> there's an opening game. Opening. Well, we'll just say it more and more. I, I, and it's, <laughs> I never knew. I never knew until now, Stacy. <laughs> Solidarity. Thank you. A big thanks once again to Stacy Ross of 710 ESPN coming on the show and breaking down the Seahawks win over the Atlanta Falcons to kick off the season. A lot more to check out over at fieldgoals.com. Mookie Alexander has a recap of the game. John Morgan has some breakdown of the play calling. And Alistair Corp dials in on the fourth down play that resulted in a touchdown to DK Metcalf. And going to be a lot more to look ahead to throughout the week at fieldgoals.com. Subscribe to this show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts to get these in your podcast feed as soon as they come out. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. And until next time, go Hawks.